0: Hey everyone, I'm Jay,
1: and I'm Sophia, and welcome to Witch's Betwixt.
0: Today we're going to be talking about money, like that, that green paper. In a, well, I guess in America it's green, and different colors all around the world. Um, yeah. I guess uh, the thing that that people claim is the the root of all evil, so to speak. Um, but yeah, we're we're here to talk about money and and witchcraft and how the two relate or or shouldn't relate, according to some people. Um, but really, uh, we're kind of just digging into the idea of making witchcraft your livelihood, making money uh, from your craft, and um, you know, just utilizing your craft for as your own livelihood. Um, Sophia, do you kind of want to start off the like kind of like your th- your thoughts on whether you agree that it's okay to make money from witchcraft
1: well I'd be a hypocrite if I said that I thought it was wrong because I just recently ended up having to do some tarot for money because I was pretty much flat broke and of course it was like family who had paid me for it um so like that helped right they were trying to help me out by doing it but I don't know I think like it's easy to judge other people's situations based on your own moral standards and, like, what you've experienced in your life. But, like, I don't see how you could really go to somebody who's doing tarot for for a living or, like, making money from magic and say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. You know, you shouldn't be selling it. Because, like, there's only... <sighs> I don't know, money fucking sucks, you know what I mean? And sometimes you get to a point where there's not a lot you're super great at in life, and maybe you put, like, 10-plus years into your craft, right? Now, any other trade in the fucking world, like, artist, you could sell a painting, even though painting is a really bad example, because God knows you do not make money worth your time from paintings unless you're rich, or, sorry, famous. And, like... True. Yeah, but, like, any other skill... It's not really a problem if you made money from 10 years worth of work, right? And there's like this weird kind of bias in the witchcraft community that nobody should really do stuff for money sometimes. Not to say that everybody thinks that, but a lot of people kind of have that attitude. And it's like there's only certain forms of making money from witchcraft that are socially acceptable. Like the first that comes to mind is books and music. Nobody's going to tell you that selling a book is a bad thing because books help everybody and everybody should be able to buy them and it's been a part of the community since it pretty much started books right same thing with music like you need people to play at your festivals and like that stuff draws people together but like where where the judgment kind of comes in is in like money magic there's a lot of people who are very um opinionated about that and then doing doing small acts of money for or like magic for money right like say doing like tarot readings or palmistry or astrology you know but like i don't know i think it's what do you have to chip in i've said a fair bit there
0: (laughs) yeah i think i i would say that as as just like a general blanket opinion on whether i believe it is okay to make money from your craft um, I do believe it is okay to make money from your craft. I 100% believe it because it is a craft, it is a profession, um, it is a vocation. So um, I do believe that you should be allowed to have a livelihood from that. Just as with any vocation or trade, however you want to look at it, um, I do I, I view witchcraft as much as you know some people can view it as a um as a religion or a spiritual journey or something like that but i also view it as um like a job in a way especially it especially when when you present yourself as a witch to um either friends family or even just the general public if people are receptive to the fact that you're a witch like if they don't if they don't do that immediate reaction of like oh ew that's gross that's weird that's evil if you don't get that immediate reaction generally they become very receptive and they start and people start to ask you questions like Mm -hmm. oh can you read my cards can you um, you know uh, make me a spell or my you know my boss is an ass what can we do about that Um, Mm -hmm. and so they start to come to you asking for things which is no different than Um, being an artist and someone coming up to you and say, hey, you draw really well. Can you draw this for me? Or being a graphic designer and, hey, can can I commission you? It's it's essentially someone commissioning you to do something. So I believe that it is totally fine to accept money for your services because you are performing a service. Mm -hmm. Um, I think some of the... uh, The stigma surrounding accepting money for magic comes from there are people out there uh, who are not. I hate using the term real witch or not legit, but there are just some people who are obviously not legitimate, I guess, if you want to put it that way. The thing that comes to mind is like when you. like late night television. I don't know if anyone remembers like uh I don't know if you saw like commercials for like Miss Cleo. She did like that. Uh, I don't or something know if Cleo like was that. fake. I, I don't, I don't have know that, but,
1: experience about that.
0: Yeah, I don't know if she was fake, but it's that that over commercialized kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um so it's this idea of you see these kind of I don't know, I guess maybe charlatan types that are or people who give like walk around giving like unsolicited psychic advice and be like oh I see I see things so there's a lot of there can be a lot of smoke and mirrors yeah um, in the field
1: sometimes they straight up open, like, a fucking business. Like, there's a place right next to me that is, like, 16 kinds of cultural appropriation. It's, like, palm readings and chakra alignments and all of these things from, like, differing, like, backgrounds and stuff and, like, Reiki and it's, like, you can tell this person's just literally trying to do anything they can to get every bit of a business they can. And there's, like... Uh, this is something we're going to talk about in a different episode but I think it ties into this you have to kind of be aware of when like people are taking you for a ride with it too right because like I don't know if I were to like touch on myself I don't actually like to accept money for craft working stuff I will usually do it purely pro bono because I hate the idea of taking money into my craft. That said, I do need to eat and pay bills. So if I'm super broke, I sometimes will, you know, do some readings for some money for people, you know? And, like, I view it as when it's a necessity for me, it's okay. But when I'm in plenty and I'm doing well, then I very much like to let my cup overflow and share with others, right? Um, and I think that... my rules are just for me they're not necessarily what everybody else should go by but I think it's important to have um, your own kind of personal code of morals of what you will and what you won't do what you will and won't say because like there's also a Mm -hmm. lot of etiquette around doing a a tarot reading for someone like if you're doing a reading for somebody and fertility comes up three times you can mention that to them but you can't tell her hey i think you're fucking pregnant you know like
0: right exactly
1: (laughs) and a lot of people will really like Cross that line and say things like, I see that your mother's gonna die, and say really like provocative things to try and like, yes, make you feel wowed or like upset and get that emotional response, right? Because then they've got you, whereas, like,
0: yeah, and also. Make you feel like you got your money's worth, you know, like mm-hmm. you got the show that you were looking for.
1: But whereas I find when you talk to, like, somebody who's been doing it genuinely, you get advice. You don't get, yes. this is what's going to happen. Like, when I did a tarot reading for my family members, both of them I did a five-card spread, with with which with my system, it's five cards that you draw, and it does a cross, and it's a central issue. So, like, the card in the middle is um something that the whole reading focuses on so for example um success right because that's a card in the south deck and everything around it are like factors involved so like when you get the tower card as an orbital card you you point out to the person hey here's things to look out for because if you don't this will cause ruin here and like with is with it paired to a rune like I do, because I do a rune for each card, it tells you, like, what specifically to look out for, and I find it's really helpful, and you can get a lot of clarity without telling someone, like, hey, you're pregnant, you know, I can say, hey, I mm-hmm. see fertility in here twice, uh, now might be a good time to look towards having children, stuff like that is a lot more, like, responsible and what you'll actually get from somebody who's trying to do their best best to give you an authentic reading and not try and elicit an emotional response. Cause like I did a reading the other day and they had the nine of swords and the, the fucking tower. And I'm like, mm. great I have to, I have to spin some of the hardest fucking cards in the, in the deck to make it seem like your, your world isn't fucking ending right now because that certainly isn't what's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, it's it's work, and you spend, like, hours ending up, like, write, writing up for people what their reading was, because it's, it's, like, really extremely difficult to do a live call reading, right? And, like, then you barely make money for the amount of time that you put in. It's just, it sucks. <laughs> it does. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, if you're, I guess, I, I guess to to really put it into perspective, there's, there's a lot of different... Um, I guess going rates in the witchcraft community Mm -hmm. that I've seen. Uh, Let's just use readings as an example because I feel like that's probably the most common thing that people pay for is for readings. Um, So, usually, uh, like for example, like at a pagan pride event, so for our Philly pagan pride events, most of our vendors, if they're doing readings, it's um, between 10 to $20. $20 yeah. is high for okay. for like a I guess if you want to call it like a festival rate right? because it's kind of like a little festival mm-hmm. um or like a fair, however you want to call it. But um I feel like 10 cuz usually your readings are not that long. It's maybe 10 to 15 minutes, uh mm-hmm. maybe 20 minutes cuz <clears throat> it's a very small scale kind of thing. So charging between $10 and $20 is is very fair for something like that um especially for like a 15 minute reading 20 minute reading now when I and even now in if someone were to ask I guess maybe like for a 30 to 40 minute reading maybe well into an hour I still can't see anyone charging more More than than, 20 bucks maybe more than 30 for like a full hour you know Um, Because you figured that's $30 an hour. Like, you just made $30 an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was in Salem, I I think it was a 30-minute reading was $65 at most shops.
1: That was the same out here um, at a place that I'm not going to mention. And then they they bumped their prices up as well. And, like, that's just a side feature of what they do there. It's not like I go in for tarot readings because I actually fucking loathe anybody else doing divination for me, and I absolutely refuse it.
0: Unless it's... Well, would you ask, like, a friend or something like that? Like, if they... (laughs)
1: I'm at the point where if I want divination I'll do it myself I'm, yeah. I've am i gotten quite good at it it was the thing that I got back into the occult with back when I was like 20 so I was I was doing divination and tarot again before I even got into DKMU so it's something I'm pretty practiced at and when you do your own hybrid system like when I'm doing my personal readings I'll use three separate systems and combine them and work them together mm-hmm. Right? I'll use like the Alistair Crowley Thoth deck because I love the Kabbalist Association and how fucking straightforward the deck is it doesn't fuck around and it will have every color of the rainbow including the good and the bad then the elder futhark rune set because they always give illumination on what card being drawn um, represents what and how to like work with it um it like gives you an angle to approach it right and then i draw a few cloud cards like usually one to three just as like um influencing factors because it's a very different system too uh that i'm still working on and those the cloud cards after a reading for me end up on my altar so like Mm -hmm. i don't want anybody else to do divination for me because i don't like how much they try like when i do divination it's like suggestions and things to pay attention for and factors going on. It gives me a little bit of insight, right? When other people do divination, it's like, here's some shit that's going to happen to you. And it's like... I don't want that because then they're literally doing, cause uh, in my personal opinion, doing divination like that is a way to make that future happen. And it takes agency out of my hands personally mm-hmm. to have somebody telling me what my future is. Cause then I have that idea in my head already. And then you're subconsciously working with it. And very often when I do divination for what's gonna happen in the future, it happens, but I'm not necessarily sure it's because it was going to happen that way beforehand or because right. the, the reading caused it to happen. So I generally will never, ever, ever fucking ask for the future or let anybody do my tarot, you know?
0: Yeah. I feel that um, I do allow other people to read me, but that's only if they ask to read me. I don't really approach other mm. other practitioners to read me. Um, and I think, because, you know, it's really funny, right? So as someone who does... Uh, who is pretty pretty practiced with cardamancy. Um, I <laughs> it's really funny. I can't imagine like I look at like these psychic shops or even or even actual occult shops where they're like, oh, we offer readings. And I'm like, I would never in a million years pay someone to read my cards. <laughs> Same. Um only because I can do it myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um But what I'm realizing is like that isn't that sign isn't posted for a fellow practitioner. It's not It's not marketing to yes. to someone who can also read. It's marketed to people, I guess, if you want to call it for better, like, lay people, uh, however you want to put it. Um, you know, for people who aren't into the craft, they don't practice it, or whatever the case is, or maybe just someone who just isn't really that good with divination and Um, it's intended for those people. Mm-hmm. I feel like... There's no there's no rules on what to charge for things. Um but I do think that a lot of the prices, especially when it comes to divination services, um, I do think that the higher the price the the larger the witch's ego.
1: I would agree with that as well.
0: Yeah. Um and that's the that's the slippery slope in my mind when it comes to um money and witchcraft is but at the same time, the ego inflation.
1: Yeah, but at the same time there's another part to it too. Like say you make a lot of your income from doing tarot readings, right? And mm-hmm. God knows you're not going to be like, yeah, sure, $30 an hour sounds good. But when you do that once a week, it's not so much, right? So Mm -hmm. I understand a lot of people who are like in financial need and it being more important for them, like maybe they're older, and they can't necessarily work a physical job, you know, that can be a real important supplement for buying that person groceries and keeping somebody connected in the community sometimes, right? And like, I think that if I could say anything, it's just that I would hope that we would all have good faith with each other. You know, like I see like the hundred and twenty dollar readings at certain places and like energy alignments where they're charging you at the wazoo. And it's like, I know that place is designed to just prey on people, but I know there's a lot of genuine practitioners out there who are older and like. They've they've done that all their life, and maybe they don't have a good resume. Maybe no place will hire them, and they're living on um, social assistance, and that's that's literally buying them medicine or something. Like there's there's acceptance, there's like um, exceptions and reasons as to why that can be that way sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, one thing that you mentioned earlier, you were saying that um, you don't really like to charge. For yep. which services. Now, but what about if being a witch was your job?
1: It makes me worse at it if I'm being blatantly honest with you. Um, mm. If I'm charging when I'm dirt poor... For some reason, it doesn't make my um, my work any less good. But if I'm charging people for when I for it, when I don't need it, for some reason, my success rates go down and I'm, I'm dead serious. Like my readings will be worse. Um, and it's like I feel like it's um, a bit of a personal philosophy of mine that I noticed because I play competitive shooters a lot when Pressure is on with me because, like, we were playing to get to max rank in Destiny last night and we did it for Ava. So, we were playing like the best people that were out there, right? Mm-hmm. And once we got there and the pressure was gone, I was phenomenal. And we won like 11 matches in a row after we had finished that. Or, not quite 11, but like a lot, like a lot. Mm-hmm. And Once the pressure was off, I could just do it. But it's like the whole thing of if I'm charging money when I'm broke, I know I need it. And whether or not they get a good reading, I'm not too worried about it because I need that fucking money. Right. Mm -hmm. But if I don't need it, then it's what comes down to it is my reputation is on the line. Right. And I don't like to do that. And I don't know maybe it is just like a little bit of effect of how my magic works that if I'm charging for it when I don't need it I can't do it as well so I tend to just um offer my services and let stuff tend to work out elsewhere unless it isn't and then I I do it right
0: so would you say that you don't I don't know how to phrase it like you wouldn't want to be a full-time witch like you wouldn't want that to be your livelihood and main source of income
1: but I would like to do it from writing and I know like again that's Ah, that socially accepted model but like I don't I don't like doing the little hustle game you know I Mm -hmm. do not like the idea of doing like charge by spell basis and then also with that I hate fucking with other people's lives like it's one thing if um a friend is having trouble and I I offer service to help with spells which I've done a great deal of times for people and I'll never bring it up or say what I did or like talk about it on Facebook because that's like more eco-inflation right but it's like an act of helping people in the world without asking for reciprocation can sometimes be the greatest thing we can contribute, you know, and Mm -hmm. I like to be able to give back to the world in ways that are more than just going to lift me up financially. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I'd rather live a life being dirt poor, where I helped a lot of fucking people in need and, and struggled a lot myself, than be the person who charged everybody a whole bunch of money, right? And it's not to say mm-hmm. that other people shouldn't charge money, but that's 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 me. I'm okay with struggling because I'm used to it, you know.
0: Mhm. See, like I have maybe somewhat of a different perspective on it. Like, I don't, I don't want to get rich from witchcraft that's not I don't want to get rich from anything honestly I just want to be able to live a really comfortable life and not have to and not have to struggle and not have to to worry about the next bill or the next thing um really where my huge desire comes from is this idea of I want my livelihood to be something that is very true to my heart uh, um, I, and I know people say, you know, follow your dream, do your passion, and like, yes, writing is a passion, or um, doing this podcast is a passion, or uh, I have a lot of passions and interests, but the one thing that really wraps it all together is is witchcraft and being being a part of the community, but also having the community um sustain me as well so that, that way I can be there for the community it's like that idea of like giving back mm-hmm. you know I get um, it totally yeah so I definitely actually it's really funny the most most of my desire or inspiration really comes from this one guy I knew in college I went to a I went to a catholic university so um <clears throat> We had to take like two religion classes, but it was very common to see priests and nuns and all around the campus. Some of them were our, were our professors, and also a lot of people that went to that college were very, you know, very devout Catholics. And um, one of the people there that I became pretty damn good friends with, um, he wanted he he wanted to be um, a priest, and so he wanted to go into the into the priesthood and i just at that time i couldn't fathom why on earth someone would want to i guess devote their life to uh faith or religion i just i couldn't i couldn't grasp it in my mind mm-hmm. at the time and what's interesting as as time went on we graduated college i would follow him on instagram and he was doing like um like he was like a youth uh or like a youth minister or something like that with this one yeah yeah Yeah, he did work with a church and this and that and he did a bunch of these things um until he got into uh the seminary and i think he's done whatever um whatever their course of study is to become a priest but i realized the more i looked at his instagram posts and the more i saw what he was doing and i was like i understand like it it's it, it's the thing that makes him feel complete it's the thing that makes him feel like like this is his it's is his calling you know like to say oh, you, you know you hear the calling you hear the calling and i felt that for myself um through witchcraft mm-hmm. as weird as that sounds that i'm finding all this inspiration from this very young catholic priest but um i just it was really inspiring to watch him fall he's like i'm going to become a priest and he did it you know like from from the day that i first met him he was like i'm going to do this up until now and he and he did it and he's dedicated his his life to this um to this religion to this faith that really just brings him such joy and that's how i feel about witchcraft. um i want to I want to go all in with it Mm -hmm. and I want to create things that give back to the community. I want my own shop, but also I want that shop to be a community space. I want that plate. I want that shop to, to, to host, you know, um, events and, um, and have, you know, local covens come in and utilize that space. And I also, you know, wouldn't be opposed to like, I don't know like homeless youth that wander through and they're like I have nowhere to stay stay in my shop you know what I mean like it's just stuff like that I'm just I I just want to to protect and provide and give back to Mm -hmm. the community and I just have this strong desire to make it financially um financially profitable to do that yeah. to to inject that money back into the into the community back into the the pot so to speak.
1: And it's hard cuz like as far as communities go, we're not a rich one. You know, a lot of witches aren't necessarily no. people who come from wealth. A lot of us can come from pretty desperate backgrounds at different times. And um a lot of uh people I know who do witchcraft also have trauma. Uh, a great deal of them actually. Um mm-hmm. so like I think we're a community of people who are very vulnerable and who have been through very harsh things and also kind of struggle with life a little bit sometimes, especially when you're like at so at odds with society and every, everything it is and like the values it holds that is like completely and like antithetical to what you believe in when you do mm-hmm. witchcraft. Cause it's about like community and coming together and oneness and sharing and knowledge and like, understanding we're one fucking human race and we can do marvelous things together right and like to have a society that demands that we be pitted against each other all the time naturally weakens us right and so Mm -hmm. i think i i wish i would not be stuck in the nine to five life all the time but if i have to bear it for a while longer i will you know, but to me, you were talking about what you'd like out of it most. I'd like to be a performer. I love poetry. I've taken to it very hard. Um, I've got almost, I've got enough to actually finish a book if I were to publish everything I have right now, but I don't like enough of my material and some of it's too personal to actually publish. So I'd like to do that and maybe one day learn to sing again because I used to be able to sing prior to my voice surgery and I'd like to be able to perform in those spaces and bring people together and like bring light and warmth and, and heart, you know, and, and tears to people's eyes, and make people feel things and make them want to do stuff. Like what inspired me to, to do poetry was another trans woman at a poetry reading. And like, to be able to pass that spark is, such a magnificent power and I feel like that's my calling and I really want to be able to do it with my life so yeah
0: <laughs> so yeah it's kind of interesting we both kind of talk about that feeling of that calling
1: yeah I got a little teary-eyed saying that
0: <laughs> yeah and I think I think that's kind of why we all gravitated toward each other to to do this podcast i feel like we were all kind of put in each other's paths Mm -hmm. for a reason because scott um he or they couldn't be here with us right now to do this recording but um from the moment i met scott they always wanted to have a shop um Mm -hmm. yeah what was it uh which wise occult (laughs) apothecary something something it was like some long name i can't remember it is yeah. wise it's that that, I mean, that brand that scott has uh, set out for himself um yeah. and yeah that that's just always been from day one so that idea of giving back to the community and it's not so much and it's not so much the idea of like i'm cool because i have a witch store and i sell witch things and blah blah blah, blah. it's not about that because man if i if i have my own shop i I wouldn't sell, like, it it pisses me off when I just see, and, and this is where, like, witchcraft for money really g- gets on my nerves, is when you walk into a shop and you see the same products that you've seen in all the other witch shops that you've been yeah. to. I can't stand it. It's terrible, and it drives me absolutely insane and i was encountering that in salem a lot of all places i was like oh my gosh this is like the same stuff that i saw in that shop and you know the same tarot decks the same crystals the same books can i give Um, you a
1: a take that i'm sure is going to be incredibly unpopular that i've been sitting on for a while now yeah i am not a fan of salem and all of the excitement around it like i really don't like to say that too often because i don't want to be someone who like Puts a damper on other people's fires, but it's like literally for the reason you just listed, it's like commercialized witchcraft. And like Salem's magical because witch trials happen there and it's known through pop culture. And yes, there is a strong associative energy because of that. But I don't like the idea of going to a place that's popularized because a bunch of women were wrongly accused of like the craft and murdered there. And like then it gets sold and capitalized on like it feels really jarring to me you know so I try to stay away from it and not put too much negative energy out there about it but it really rubs me the wrong way if I were to go to Salem I'd be sad the whole fucking time I, I would not be able to spend a penny on all of that witchcraft stuff because it seems like it's almost an affront to what happened to those women you know
0: yeah um I agree, and I did have this sense of 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 kind of like wariness and like sadness a lot um the energy in that in that land is incredible it's it's incredibly powerful spot, and you can feel it um the town itself is just uh is very visually appealing it's a cute little town um but we did do some historical things too and actually of all the women that like no one was actually a practitioner of witchcraft in the in the salem witch trials no one actually was they were just all wrongly accused of it which is absolutely fucking terrible that these innocent people were just accused of witchcraft because people said so and then they died um yeah. it's a horrible thing but the th- i was under the impression that a batch of, like, super, super, super witchy, like, real witchcraft shops were all in Salem. And what a lot of what I found was just the same commercialized stuff recycled from shop to shop to shop. Not all of the shops, but a good chunk of them. There was one shop in particular that made me it kind of made me um uh what was that like faith in humanity restored so faith in witchcraft restored Mm -hmm. it was called uh the coven's cottage yes the coven's cottage and Me and Joyce were passing it. Like, we'd go get coffee, and they weren't open yet because they opened a little later than the other ones, like around 11. And I'm like, man, when are they going to open? Like, this is a really neat-looking little shop. It was very – it wasn't very flashy like the other ones. It was very small, and just – they had this little bench outside. Um, And what I noticed – what I noticed was that outside the door, they had a sign, and it said – No cell phones, um, but not just in the effect of, like, don't take calls in our store, but, like, no texting, no Google, no nothing. Like, do not take your phone out of your pocket in our store, period. And I was like, why? What is in this shop that is so different from all these other shops that they felt, you know, that they had to post that outside the door? And so finally the shop opened, and we went in, and I completely understood why. Because it was literally a witch's cottage inside this shop, and it wasn't commercial- Witch cottage, like there were herbs hanging from the ceiling, you know drying like dried herbs hanging from the ceiling um they made uh they had a house blessing powder that was made by them. they had um animal bones that you that they had there that they got from uh sanctuaries um, they had beautiful cauldrons, um just really authentic witchcraft materials Mm -hmm. and i was completely in love the moment i set foot in the store i was like this is why i came to salem to find a shop like this this is what i wanted because i can't there's there's no shops like that in in my immediate area where i am and sometimes buying that stuff online it just feels weird and plus there's something really nice about going into a shop and browsing and being like oh hey yeah and just being like oh i want to pick this up or oh my god they have this here like wow that's crazy i didn't know that i could even find that um like i got a a thing of irish um peat moss i think it is cool uh yeah i got a a coyote claw a badger claw Uh um a a goat horn um oh katie told me you got that for yeah i also got her a goat horn too and uh, a couple of other things I can't remember. I'm going to have to, I'm, I want to lay all the things chicken out feet? that I got. Uh, no, no chicken feet. Good. They're a little expensive. They're a I little was, expensive. Uh, I
1: was going to say, you don't need them. You don't, you don't want to be doing chicken feet swells,
0: Yeah, and that I didn't really have any use for it. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it was just, it was just, it felt so good. To go into that shop and say yes, this is and that was that was the kind of sh- and it, it made me be like yes, this is the kind of shop that I want. This is what I want to bring to my local area. I don't want the the same candles that you can buy in the grocery store. I don't want the same you know six athame styles that you can buy at any other vendor. I don't want that shit because mm-hmm. to me it's just shit. Um. It's okay when you're first starting out, I guess, and you don't really, you don't know any better. I feel
1: like everybody looks back on that stuff as my first witchcraft supplies, which is, like, not to shame it, but that's kind of what it is. Like, you know, those carved pentagram boxes, or, like, the selenite wand, or the one of six tarot decks, which, I mean... A, the tarot decks is a whole different thing, but I know what you mean. There's a lot of like starter equipment that people will often get. Like, I mean, I get it. My first fucking pentagram was from Spencer's, which is so was like, mine. A, a, so was mine. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: can, fl- and you know, and there's no shame in that, is what I'm saying. But I really want to. I want to be a witch shop for witches, not a witch shop yeah. for, um, you know. So while we're on people.
1: that point, can I plug some shops in Canada? To talk about them a little bit. Yeah. So, like, there was a shop in Vancouver that went under, like, the year that I... Not sponsored,
0: by the way. None of. No, (laughs)
1: we're totally not. I mean, this shop's already closed. It was called Salamagundi West. And it was Mm. weird because, like, the lady had legit witch wares because she knew witches. She knew what all the wares were, but she Mm. didn't practice. She didn't know really a lot of the stuff. Like she was asking me why she couldn't win the lottery with this spell. And I'm like, well, you're contesting everybody else's will, because everybody who's buying that is also vying for it. And you basically are trying to like have your space take up a bigger piece of the pie. And it's it's an incredibly difficult thing. That's why almost nobody wins the lottery through magic, right? Mm-hmm. Um And she was like, really? And she like hadn't really crossover the concept and she was a very nice lady like I don't want to talk ill of her she was sweet but her Mm. shop was very authentic like they had like I got like 13 coyote teeth from there or coyote teeth however you like to say it and I mailed them to different members of DKMU actually (laughs) um and I had one, too, but <clears throat> I had a bag that I used to carry around with a small rope doll idol of uh, Zalti. And the bag was, like, treasures I had tied to his uh, sword. And one was, like, a, a dianic brooch, which is, like, a moon with um a palm in the middle. It had an eye in it, and there was, like, an arrow crossing through it that stabbed through the eye and, like, went through the moon. And it was, mm. like fucking wonderful and i bought it at solomon Goodney west actually same thing with like the embroidered bag that um zalti was holding on all the stuff with right and uh in their basement it was like you you walk into that that place and it was the most haunted fucking building you've been in in vancouver <laughs> i'm serious like you look around and you're like holy shit right and then <laughs> and she had like different witch artists working out of the basement like and doing commission spaces in there with like really cool art and stuff and they were like making like sculpt art sculptures out of bones in like framed boxes that you'd hang on your walls that were like spells and shit it was wonderful um and like they had about a hundred drawers downstairs, there was like the whole thing was downstairs was like kind of a treasure trove where you went to go look for stuff, and there were these drawers with different stuff in it that you could find like Little toys from like various different eras and like very old antique stuff, right? Like, I found mm. an old bunny rabbit that you could wind up and it would hop, and I gave it to a friend of mine. And like, mm. it was a delightful store. Um, very sad that it went under. Then in Toronto, you have the occult shop, which is a really good place because it's not really your typical occult shop. Like, um, yeah, they got tarot decks and they have a lot of fucking tarot decks, and yeah, they got, um, crystals but they got like god statues and goddess statues they have like silver pendants that are like solomonic and made by local artists like Mm. my silver pentagram that i got was custom made by a local artist and all the stuff that they sell there is like like that and they have like um different people who make different products that are in their shop like there's this one girl i think at least they're, they're a girl who makes a bunch of soap that they sell in the shop and um like sometimes you'll get products like uh bath salt spells and like it's literal real spells that people who have been doing in the family for generations and I've talked to the people there and they're they're very kind and they'll they'll talk to you about what they're doing but they won't necessarily tell you what's in their herbs because they know it's a business and they have to stay open right but they have like really good book selections they have like sprays and mini cauldrons and bigger cauldrons and like you can get all kinds of delicious stuff like i got coffin nails that i sent y'all were from the occult shop Mm -hmm. and i get like frankincense myrrh like the incenses there are like handmade by by people in the local community like they have tarot readings there like it's it's a really powerful place and like they service people from all different pantheons so you'll have different types of practitioners coming in there all the time and buying different stuff and you get like really interesting conversations and I kind of walk in and I guess sometimes I intimidate other people in there because they like look at me and they're like okay (laughs) I, I just I look very serious like if you meet me in person you'll you'll know what I mean
0: I I get the same too. Like um, I guess uh, I always got that like when when I was presenting female, I always got that um. You should smile more, you know. You look so serious.
1: Yeah, for yeah. me it's like I still
0: come across really strong. I guess I still have um. I don't know what they call it, resting bitch face. Uh, yeah. I'm just not very expressive with my face. It's just something I'm just not. Doesn't mean I'm having a bad time. It's just I'm I'm in my head a lot. Is is really what it is.
1: See, with me, it's like I'm actually really nice and I'm not necessarily intimidating or standoffish if I know you or anything like that. But like as a trans woman who's had some shit happen to her, when I'm in public... I'm ready for shit you know what I mean like I'm literally ready for anybody to jump me at any fucking moment because that's how PTSD works and like I had some shit happen actually like three weeks ago not even like two weeks ago at a a fire at my friend's uh, birthday where some guy who was a bad person was not supposed to be there kept coming back and like I was ready to fight each time like Mm -hmm. I can't really turn it off right so I do kind of intimidate people because of that right but I'm, like, very chill and warm if I'm, like, in a nice environment, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so good to talk about good witch shops because it really brings back the point of I don't mind spending money in those stores. I don't mind giving them my money because I am purchasing legitimate Things, which I think for me is really is really my opinion on exchanging witchcraft or I guess product and service for money is that I want them to be authentic and I want them to be quality. um mm-hmm. I don't always feel comfortable when I get maybe some people just think that they can oh, I can just go to these same wholesale vendors and buy some incense and buy some oh, some like dagger or
1: witchcraft kit
0: maybe not even as as simple as that but you know what i mean you see it all the time you see the prepackaged mm-hmm. incense you see the prepackaged this and the pre the crystals and um it's just or you know the the books with the pentagram on the cover and you know, like you said like the wooden boxes with the pentagram on the cover and i want i i'm at a point now where i'm like i want supplies i don't mm-hmm. want decorations and, and i don't need a book that has i don't need a leather-bound book that has a pentagram on it because honestly if i write a spell on a on a napkin then as far as i'm concerned that becomes a part of my grimoire so it is what it is to me you know um mm-hmm some people really go for the for the show for the look but i mean that that's just personal preference but that's where i don't mind spending my money on which things which is where i feel like it's okay to to charge if you have a if you know in your heart that you have a quality legitimate product and or service that you are offering then there is nothing wrong with putting a dollar sign on it and and charging money for it because you put your work and time and effort into it now whether this is in the case of having your own store or maybe you just have a like a like a little shop that you go to different pig and pride events or different craft fairs uh however it is that you sell your product or your service as long as it is authentic and true and and just legitimate then more power to you but i don't appreciate i guess the um the commercial part of it it's like right now is a very good time to be a it's a very good time to work toward being a self-sustaining witch and it's also a very bad time to work toward being a self-sustaining witch because there's a lot of this commercial element that's out there you know people expect certain things from you but then it's also the uh the witchcraft community expects certain things from you and you have to you have to think like are you trying to be are you trying to serve are are you trying to serve the both communities at from the vocation of the witch or are you just trying to make money because you're a witch
1: yeah and it's definitely a thing too to to make sure that you're finding somebody if you're somebody who isn't a witch yourself uh, because I feel like most people who watch this podcast are witches but in case there are people who aren't like do your research like talk to people about that person like and if some of the stuff we've mentioned that are kind of like red flags come up like the whole emotional display maybe don't give them your money again because they're that they're like trying to prey on you, right? right? And a lot of people who want to provide you those services really want to give you good advice rather than like tell you your your future, you know?
0: Right. And and another thing I noticed with the with some of the shops in Salem that were really advertising the um the readings that they offered in those shops, they had those reading tables by the front window. Like where people were passing by. Oh, yeah. Instead of it being... Because, honestly, I would not feel comfortable doing a reading for someone as part of the display. It, you're basically a mannequin in the window.
1: hmm You're advertising for them. It's very, um...
0: It's crafty, that's for sure.
1: It's fucking kind of gross.
0: Yeah, it's crafty, um... And, yeah, it just – it really rubbed me the wrong way. And, and Joy, Joyce even said it too. They were like, why are they in the front window like that? Like, that's just not right. And I'm like, I completely agree with you. Like, I any any shops that I've been in that were very good, in my opinion, um, if they did have reading areas, they were always in the back, always maybe the a back. bit more secluded, more quiet, private kind of thing because that's like – it's like legit shit that you're, you're you're you're. It's a very private, intimate moment with whoever you're reading, and I just don't think it's right to put them out on display like a like yeah, a puppet. It's,
1: it's that's pretty fucked up in my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah,
0: and um, and it really it makes. It, it, I also think about this really difficult. Um, I have a hard moral issue with so philly has philly despite being as big as it is and as weird as it is we have like one legitimate occult shop that's it and Mm. it's not that big and it doesn't carry a ton of stuff and it's in a really it's it's in like a, a a business district that's it's on south street and south street isn't what it used to be It's kind of like dwindling down. It doesn't attract as many people as it once did as a shopping district. So, and the other issue is that I have learned that the the guy who owns the shop is not actually a practitioner of the occult, witchcraft, anything. Mm. Yeah. He acquired the property and with it the shop because I think there's there's an apartment above it so he acquired the property and with that he acquired the business and the person who works there full-time is someone uh, you know I know and I, I go to this shop to attend um, Sabbath celebrations and stuff. The person that is the full-time person just, like, working in the shop, the main, like, full-time staff person, is an actual practicing witch, actually knows what the hell they're talking about, um, tries their hardest to keep the shop stocked with good stuff, um, but is constantly, like, railroaded by the guy who actually owns the store. hmm and it, I'm in this difficult position where I'm like, man, I kind of don't want to support this shop because it's not owned by a legitimate protection practitioner of the craft. You know, it's it's kind of, eh, you know, mm-hmm. in that way. But then at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but it is this. It's the livelihood of a friend a of legit mine.
1: Legitimate practitioner, yeah.
0: Right. So I always find myself in this tricky situation and I, I, and I would love to like get a band of, of local witches together and, and buy the guy out of the shop, you know, and just like, we'll take the business. You just, you keep the, or like, we'll rent from you or like, whatever the yeah. case is, you know, like we'll take just rent the shop from you. And eventually
1: just buy him out and be like, look, just get the fuck out of here. Here's your yeah, payout, exactly. go. <laughs> exactly. Like, cool. I would love
0: to get a collective, but um. I've kind of been thinking more along the lines of maybe like a like a com- competing shop maybe could possibly maybe. pop up because you know c- competition's always good but i One thing
1: i wanted to say um it's weird to me city witchcraft because i if only lived in the city for five years of my life um that's true yeah I'm a fucking rural girl. Like, I, I know I've mentioned it a few times, but my hometown, Jay, has 3,000 people in it. The whole area is 3,000 That's
0: people. less than my high school.
1: Yeah, I think it's 4,000 now, <laughs> but when I grew up, it was 3,000. Um, I,
0: I can't imagine
1: you um it's so small town and nestled in the middle of the fucking badland mountain area of bc it's like where the uh only desert in canada meets a pine forest so mm-hmm. like on the north halves of the mountains there it's pine forest cuz they get less sun and heat and on the south facing parts it's like arid desert there's like sagebrush and like some small cacti can grow in the summer on those mountains, specifically prickly pear. And, like, there's rattlesnakes. There's literally a mountain named after where the rattlesnakes live. And it's, um, they're diamondback rattlers. And, like, there's black widows that'll fucking kill you. And brown recluse and stuff. And it's a a wild little fucking town. And if I wanted animal bones, I'd go out and look where animals get killed, you know? And I've Mm -hmm. gathered my fair share of, of, like, stuff from the woods. Like, I've taken plenty of bones that I've found, right? It's easy enough to get. And, um um, sometimes your family hunts so you get horns or something and it's it's much easier to come by stuff like that and if I want herbs I'll go out and look for herbs with an, with an identification book right and if I can't get them I'll plant them myself and grow them so it's like interesting because it teaches you like a very connected with the land exchange for getting mm-hmm. those items without having to have it all capitalized because yeah. at the end of the day like it is tr- True that you know we have to live in the world that we're born in, but there's something very nice to be said too about being able to go into the woods and get it yourself without dying. And don't go alone and <laughs> unarmed. The two rules of the woods: both people bring weapons, whether it's a a, a big fucking knife or a, like a big fucking hammer or something. You mm-hmm. you both have that, and you don't go alone. This has saved my life in numerous instances.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I mean from someone who has grown up only in an urban um I've only been in a city my entire life. So for me to come across animal bones um either out it's very very rare that I find them, you know, just somewhere in my travels in a city. That's why that Coven's cottage store blew my mind because I was like I can't find this stuff where I am, and I would love more than anything to go out into the woods and and find things and, and forage and stuff like that, but the thing is, is I don't have the knowledge. Like, yeah, I could go out into the woods, but I don't know what I'm looking at. I really don't. I have no clue. Um,
1: you know what lavender looks like, though? Like the buds, right? Like, yeah. You could spot the plant, I'm sure. Like, there's a lot of knowledge that you'd be surprised would translate over. Like, you can spot rosemary once you've seen it enough times. Like, how I learned a lot of my herbs was by, like, buying them and working with them. And then I see them in the woods, and I'm like, oh, that's yarrow flower, you know? And I, like, I can just spot it at a at a, at a point, right? So, like, it doesn't hurt to buy stuff from an apothecary to learn it in a safe way, too. And then be able to learn to like get your own and like um, this is going to sound very old school, but local libraries in a lot of rural areas almost always have books on local floral, flora and fauna. So you can Mm. go out and like, have identification guides that you can get from the library and if you want to get animal bones well like fuck man come up to canada sometime and bring a car yeah we'll take a trip i'll take you out into some woods um we'll go on a hike maybe camp and i'll show you a fucking canadian wilderness
0: that sounds like a great time to me i can do
1: that by ravenstool because there's a lot of people out there who are witches too
0: Mm mm-hmm yeah i heard you mention that that area before but i think that i think shops play a very um important part especially for urban witches because um, it's not easy for us to access things like animal bones and certain herbs and stuff like that so to have these shops there um is actually really important Mm -hmm. for for urban witches and it really helps us Helps us do our work. And when you have a good legitimate shop that offers those materials, it just makes it so much better. And you feel so much better about going there and and giving them your money, you know. It just feels good.
1: And they provide stuff that you can't get yourself. Like, you Mm -hmm. can't just make books yourself. You have to order that online if you're in a small Mm -hmm. town. And, like, I couldn't get frankincense and myrrh, any. fucking other place than a witchcraft shop. And I can go there and buy sulfur if I need it. You know, like certain shit that you literally just can't get anywhere else. You will find in a witchcraft shop because it is their their trade, you know? Mm -hmm, And like there's they're priceless. And I'm I'm like, I was prattling on about how great the wood side of it is too, but really I'm a best of both worlds kind of girl. And I think that like yeah go out in the woods and get your own herbs but like support your local fucking witchcraft shop because if if they're legit and the more you put into them the more they can give back like i've i've um had long conversations with people in different witchcraft shops about their wares and given them suggestions on like books and stuff and things that people would engage with and they actually really appreciate the advice a lot of the time you know Mm -hmm. um especially like if um a shop's run by an older practitioner and they don't necessarily know what books are connecting to the youth these days it's nice to give them a few author names and say hey check these out online um I really like this and help help each other out you know and I think um We can do a lot to help support each other, whether or not you're spending your money on witchcraft or whether you're making your money from witchcraft. Because we all live in a stupid fucking system called capitalism, so we might as well work together. And, like, my dream is to have, like, witchcraft collectives and, like, areas where you could just literally go to meet people. Like, I still don't know how to get into a fucking coven, and I'm 30 and I've been practicing for a decade. Like, well, over a decade. But, like... Uh, You you know, so like Mm -hmm. there's got to be a really good way to start bringing people together. And I feel like making spaces like that and holding events and having performers and artists come together. I think it really starts with us taking lessons from the queer community, you know, like look at what we do for for um, like poetry slams. Could you imagine Mm -hmm. if we did stuff like that for the witchcraft community? if we workshop spells on on a weekly basis at places like it would the amount of knowledge we could get if we let down our walls and reservations about sharing our traditions with each other you know everybody's mm-hmm. so fucking private but god damn it we'd thrive as a community
0: yeah that's you actually kind of just pretty much summed up this entire episode <laughs> <laughs> You really just summed up the whole the whole point.
1: I have not doing that every so often,
0: <laughs> which is great because we are really coming up on you know kind of like an hour anyway. Um, but yeah, I I completely agree with with all the points that you made, and I think uh, unfortunately it's it's kind of like you said earlier in the episode, money fucking sucks. It does. Um, I I'm not saying that everyone needs to you know to be a witch you have to hate money and hate the system and you know, it, I'm not saying that but it helps. money In my
1: opinion it helps
0: it can, yeah de- de- depending on your train of thought but yeah it, it helps I, I mean trust me I wish more than anything that you know I c- like me you know suppose you're you're my neighbor and I'm like Hey Sophia, um could I trade you two eggs for some butter, you know, so I you know what I mean, I would I prefer some I like
1: dude take like the butter. I don't I... right.
0: <laughs> Call me bastard. <laughs> 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 but um but yeah, you know what I mean, I I wish that I that we that we could survive on like a barter and trade system, you know, like hey, I need this and you need this, so let's just swap things or whatever the case is. But unfortunately, we our society is ruled by this little thing called money, and I don't think that um, I don't really think a witch should should measure their worth in the amount of revenue that they can pull in from whatever it is that they're doing. Um, but it is important to take to take pride in whatever it is that you're doing that is making money, and it is okay to it is okay to, to make money from your craft, but just as long as you're you're producing good quality shit. Honestly, mm-hmm. like let's just like lay it down in its most basic form. Like, don't rip people off. Don't be a jerk. Don't don't scam people. You know what I mean? Like, if someone asks you for a particular service and you can't do it or you know it's just not in your wheelhouse, don't. Don't just do it for the for the dollar signs. It's not it's not worth all of those other implications. It's not like um, it's not like you sell you know like you sell someone a broken item and the, oh, okay it's broken they return it okay no big deal whatever but you can't sell someone a broken spell like the just the implications of that are just it's it's too much it's it's too much and it's not worth. It's not worth the whatever money it is that you may have gotten in exchange for it. Yeah, but all in all, definitely support your local witch shops. Those are people that are really trying to, to bring something into their communities. Maybe offer, I don't know, maybe offer to like volunteer for a couple hours a week or something if they could look like they could use the help or whatever the case is. Just mm-hmm. give back to the community. Don't be afraid to charge money for things in the craft that you know you're good at and that you know you can provide a service for. Um. And just other than that, you know, just, just just stay true to yourself, stay true to your craft, and don't be afraid to make it your livelihood.
1: And if I could chip in a few things, um, smash the patriarchy, dismantle <laughs> white supremacy, um, form anarchistic communes, um, love each other radically, and forgive as many people as you can find it within yourself to do, and... Empathy is more um, <laughs> rebellious than a middle finger. Thank
0: you. I, yes, <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, all jokes aside, I, I completely agree. I yeah. think the older I get, the more fucking radical I get. I can't tell you how many times I'm at work and I'm like, I'm just going to go... Get a plot of land in the woods and create a commune. Let's commun- go do communism. Yeah.
1: Let's Let's roleplay. play. <laughs> we'll do communism and kink. <laughs> my uh, kink. Uh, on, on next episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> next episode, uh, communism is my kink. <laughs>
1: god in a world and then you just talk about actually being able to have affordable housing and eating and like a regular basis and being able to go to school and like yeah. being able to go to the hospital yeah and tell then me that's, that's just fantasy. the whole episode that's just the whole episode <laughs>
0: <laughs> the world is fucked everyone sorry
1: <laughs> it'll it'll get better i hope i'm working on it Join me in magic, everyone. Love the world and use magic to make it a better place. I know you have it within you.
0: What's that? uh, What is that? Be gay, do crimes. Be gay, do witchcraft.
1: Be gay, (laughs) do crime. Use magic to save the world. Done. Yeah. That should be our fucking motto.
0: I was going to say that should be our first line of uh, witches betwixt uh, merch. Oh, Anywho, we're gonna wrap this up here. Um I hope you guys enjoyed the topic that we're talking about. Please chime in, let us know how you feel. Um are we wrong? Are we not wrong? I don't know. Let us let us know your opinions on it. And colonialism. Us on-
1: Sorry, I don't know how I didn't forget that. And colonialism.
0: Yes, and colonialism. <laughs> <laughs> this episode's been all over the place, but that's okay. Um it's pretty pretty par for the course for us. But I think that's why people like us is because we're not super, super organized. Um, Anyway, yes, you can follow us on all the social medias or put in the website together. That's my little spiel here at the end. And I think we'll see you all in the next episode.
1: Have a good one, love. See
0: you later.